This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, good morning, and welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? <laughs> How are you, my, uh, what shall I call you, my uh, partner in crime? Uh, yeah, way, uh, way Robin to your Batman. Exactly, you got it. Well, there you go. How's things up? How are in... you, you, you caped gardening crusader? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in Toronto. I'm in studio. So it's nice to see Carlos. I haven't seen him in months. And it's nice mm-hmm. to be here, you know, just back in the, back in the saddle, so to speak. So uh, yeah. uh, going to have a good show, I think. We've got lots going on. Um, anything new and exciting at your place or just phone numbers? <laughs> just phone numbers. Yeah, I'll give the phone numbers out. Uh, they're important. Mm. And the lines are, are going to be open. Well, actually, they're open now. Uh, anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one 740 And please do let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller because I will give you your garden wings uh-huh. and we want you to call often we want you to call early and one question per call please <laughs> and uh, do you have any announcements yeah, uh, I to do. throw our way Charlie? I do well and actually that's a, the, probably the most important thing you just said is one question per caller <laughs> like, yes, like I know indeed. I, it, when you get into gardening it's one question leads to another question usually but you know that's the whole idea is call back when that happens um, a yeah. couple things going on I just received uh, an update Rosemary Dobson is one of my um, intrepid reporters out in the horticultural world. So she's sent her, the newsletter to me from the Greater Toronto Bulb Society. I hope we're all thinking about bulbs because this is the time of year. Got to get buy them and plant them now for next spring beauty. So anybody in the Toronto area who would like to join a meeting, it is happening tomorrow. It's at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. So September 25th, 1.30 p.m. at the TBG up in the second floor studios. Anna Leggett, who is a wonderful speaker and a you know well-known horticulturalist, will be speaking on gardening during climate change, which is an interesting topic because that's a, a topic I uh, also speak on. I don't call it quite that, but close enough. And um, yeah, it's a, obviously just helping everybody remember it's a changing world. Every season is a new season, but we are getting some extreme weather and we've got to be prepared for it. So uh, check out what's happening in the Maritimes right now. We're very lucky to not be there and to be inland from massive storm surge and crazy winds, trees coming down like crazy. You got it. Yeah, I was just checking out the weather on that. We'll chat a little bit more maybe about that later. Uh, have to take our first break, but we will be right back with much more on this first garden show of fall 2022 here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland, uh, here with Charlie Dobbin. Charlie, I know one thing I wanted to mention to you, and that is this morning I was out early at uh, our local market in Collingwood, and I know they are everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they are now – there's so much of the harvest right now that everybody's bringing to the market. Well, no kidding. And with that cold night that we had a few nights ago, I think a lot of us kind of raced around picking the tomatoes and peppers. And I know I stripped my basil plants and that sort of thing, just worried that we we were going to lose lose some of our crop in that cold weather. As it turned out, we did not have a frost where I live, but I bet you some parts of Ontario did, so it was worth the running around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we ran around it a little bit, and I covered up. Uh, a, we have a big jade plant in the backyard, which we still hadn't gotten in, mm-hmm. and it, it's a big job. So mm-hmm. I just threw some uh, blankets over top of it. Uh, uh, but we didn't get a frost up here, I don't believe. No, okay, yeah. So I mean, that, no. but you're you're right. This is such a great time of year. I mean, just we're, I'm out there pulling up carrots, uh, peeling mm-hmm. off kale, and uh, enjoying just the the fruits of the the harvest, the labor. We haven't had as much rain as I would like, uh, as usual. They keep forecasting. Casting yeah. it, and we keep not getting it. But I think you've been getting our rains, and sounds like you're yeah. going to get our rain for the next few days. <laughs> yeah, we we have been very fortunate. We've had a pretty good balance this summer of rain. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, before I go to our first caller, I am going to give the numbers out again. Anywhere in Toronto, four one six three six zero. 0740 toll free anywhere else in the province of Ontario 1866 740 4740 the lines are open right now we're going to go to Leslie who is from Cookstown welcome to the garden show Leslie Hi good morning Charlie good morning Dean um my question is my indoor plant it's a calla lily and i've had the calla lily for 7 months um seems to need water every 2 3 days and and if it doesn't get it, it just wilts, it hangs over. Now it's looking very sparse and not happy at all. Any suggestions? Uh, well, one thing to keep in mind is that calla lilies do need a time to be dormant. They are not going to be uh, flowering and doing their thing all year round. This is a tuber. It grows from a tuber. So slow down on your watering is the first thing I would say. And um, exactly. Normally, well, so you didn't bother putting it outside. You kept it indoors this whole time. Yeah, I did. Uh, okay, so I'm just trying to, um, if it's been inside, it's been in a sunny spot, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, water fertilized, you've enjoyed it, it's it's lovely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I'm just, just double checking here, full sun, partial shade, indoor, outdoor, need full sun, well, because I would think, I'm just double checking what I would think, I've only grown callas outside, and then when this fall, the days get shorter, the plant naturally shuts down for winter. So that's going to happen even inside your house. So cut back on your watering. Only water if the soil is very dry. Even if the leaves are kind of limp and hanging there and not looking good, water's not going to perk them up. They need to just shut down. And then just take the whole pot, put it somewhere uh, in a basement, preferably a dark, preferably cool spot, but not too cold, not freezing, and let it sit for two, three months, and it will actually wake itself up as the days start to elongate. So by February, March, it should start to grow again. And right out of the same pot it's in now. Oh, so when I when it's dormant, am I watering it no. or am I leaving? No, no, because if you water it, it will rot. Right, that's true. Yeah, so just <laughs> yeah, because once it's dormant, it, it just looks like a pot of soil. There's nothing happening in that pot. Okay. So you, if you you know, check it every couple of weeks wherever you stick it, uh, and it will start to grow. It's like um, amaryllis, which I'm sure we'll talk more about as the we get more into the season. It <laughs> just wakes itself up, right? It will just mm-hmm. start to grow regardless of that dark, cool spot you've got it. it you'll start to see 
it won't be green because there's no light, but you'll get little white uh, popping up of, of vegetation. And as soon as you get it into the sun, that white vegetation will turn green. Oh, oh, I did not. Thank you so much. Okay. okay. You're very welcome. I'll give it a go. Take care. Have a great day, guys. You too. Thanks for great. calling. Yeah, you too, Leslie. Thank you. Uh, uh, Charlie, I got an email uh, for you a couple of, I guess it was a week ago, <laughs> about these uh, little buggers, I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, that somebody has on their trees. And I'm, they send you a picture. Um, very brief email. She says, I've seen these little buggers on a couple of trees in my neighborhood. I'm assuming they're not a good thing. They look like a little green fly. What, what, what would they be? Uh, okay. So what that is, okay. It's, yeah. So what what was the, um, I should just double check. Okay. That is an insect, but you're not seeing the insect. Oh, too bad. I didn't print that one off. Um, so that was from, yeah, it was from Pat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so what happens, of course, is there's little insects that uh, are on the surface of leaves out on out in the trees. So, very yeah. commonly, this happens with maples. And what happens is the maple plant, the tree, grows around the insect. So you get these dimples on the leaves, and um, that is you're not seeing the insect; you're seeing the t- the leaf tissue that protrudes off the surface of the um, the leaves. And it looks really weird. And it looks, people don't like it, right? But it's not to be worried about. These insects will not kill the plant. Uh, They will, um, if this was happening in the spring, we'd be a little more worried about it. But the, Mm the, at this time of year, when things happen to the leaves of our trees, the main thing to do is just chill out. Don't worry about it. Those leaves are going to drop in the next four to six weeks and all, and hopefully be composted by us or sent off to our community compost. So those leaves are toast very soon. So any kind of damage, any spots, any raggedness, any funny little uh, insects uh, doing their thing on our leaves. Uh, and, and they're called galls when you have protuberances on any tissue of any plant, you've got a gall growing there, and there's an insect inside the gall. But again, not to be concerned about it. Okay, cool. I'm going to give those numbers out again. The lines are open. We have lots of room. Please call early. Call now. Four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. Toll free one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. We will be happy to answer your questions about indoor or outdoor plants, and uh, we'll be back with much more here on the Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Show with Charlie Dobbin, uh, and I'm Dean Holland, and uh, Charlie, in that... that tune i always love listening to that entrance <laughs> song with all those flowers and and uh, you know some of them are perennials but some of them are bulbs and yes. i'm now is the time to plant the bulbs and you have any tips for the bulbs because i just feel like i'm putting out like a, a, a smorgasbord for the squirrels Oh, really? Yeah, there is that. But but there are ways to protect your bulbs. And I think probably one of the simplest ways is using netting. After you've planted your bulbs, assuming you're doing some mass planting, right? You're excavating, you're dropping, you know, 50 bulbs, whatever, into a, a clump, a nice organic sort of a shape, filling in the soil. Then you lay just, you know, um, nylon or plastic, almost like fish net, just netting. This. You, you'll buy it in a garden center for peas to 
climb on. But laying yep. that down, it's it's just a, a neutral color. You don't even see it. You lay that down on the surface of the soil. Most people will also kind of use almost like big bobby pins or, you know, tr- um, tent stakes to stake down the netting so that the squirrels, when they go digging in there, cannot pull up the netting and cannot pull up the um, the bulbs. So, yeah, there is some protection required, particularly if you're in an older neighborhood with lots of big old trees. You're going to have lots of hungry squirrels. The other thing I've learned is um, deke out the squirrels. Get some corn or peanuts or whatever your local squirrels love. And before you start planting your bulbs, distract them. Set up a nice okay. little smorgasbord for them somewhere else on the property so they don't see you planting those bulbs. They are very clever and very curious. So if they don't know you've just done a bunch of planting, why would they dig there? So don't make it look like you've just just done some digging. Like I always, after I plant bulbs, I throw leaves on top, a few branches, right? Like, oh, okay. like some yeah. ro- rose canes, any debris that's floating around your garden. Throw that on top of where you've just planted bulbs, and it won't look like it was just recently disturbed, and it's not beautiful and clean for them to want to get in there and start digging. Gotcha. Yeah, you've often said that they're very inquisitive and they typically want to go to the places where they can see that it have been freshly dug. Absolutely, because they know what you're doing. <laughs> they know, you're, you're planting <laughs> well, something for them. I <laughs> think I'll get myself a nice squirrel feeder this weekend. <laughs> well, yeah, and they're just, they're redesigners, basically. They just redesign yeah. your design. And, and it's so funny, I'm getting all these great compliments in my neighborhood for my sunflowers. Like, I must have, oh, 50 or 60 blooming eight-foot-tall sunflower plants uh, in my yard in various groupings. And people are going, woo, I love your sunflowers. I'm like, thank the chipmunks. They planted them all for me. <laughs> so, ah, I yeah. see. Oh, that's yeah, funny. They got the Good sunflowers out of the bird feeders. Yeah. And they, of course, being smart, they didn't want to just get, have one sunflower. They planted the seeds so they'd have lots of sunflowers. And so what wow. has happened, of course, is I allowed quite a few of these to come up. I could see that this was happening. And sure enough, they're all blooming like crazy. And they look amazing. I mean, my yard is big, so there's room for, you know, 50 or 60 sunflower flowers to be floating uh, out there in my garden. So it's it's pretty funny. And the chipmunks are having a grand old time. They're just, you know, heart, sitting on the back of the flowers, picking the seeds and dropping the shells and saying, see you next year. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, I'm, I'm not having quite as much of a hate on for the squirrels as I maybe did at the beginning of the show then. Good for that. <laughs> good. They done good. They done good. <laughs> Sometimes. Okay, we, uh, we're going to go to Toronto now. We, uh, we have Mary on the line. Uh, from yeah, from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Thank you, and good morning to both of you. I hope I don't sneeze in the middle. Oh, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Char- Charlie, what's happened? I bought a, a few times. I've tried with the orchids. You know, you mm. buy small ones in the four-inch pot or whatever. Mm. And one of them, I'm still hoping, might send up a shoot. But the one that's surviving, mm. I've counted. It's got two, four, six, eight, ten. Well, leaves Mm -hmm. growing like mad. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's too... I've never had the... I guess it's Phalaenopsis or whatever. Mm. And what I did, I've called in before, is I now mark it on a separate calendar when I water it. I've done your suggestion, like I did it in the last many months, of Mm. dunking them in water, leaving it about 10 minutes, and letting them drain and putting them back. Well, that hasn't worked. And... uh, well, I guess my watering schedule, the important thing is when I mark it, it's between 8 and 12 days. Okay. I pick it up out of the pot because it's tiny, right? And mm-hmm. it's sitting on uh, stones in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I pick it up and it 
feels really dry, but you can't tell. And then I let it, uh, no, I wet, you know, I wet it. Mm-hmm. I put it in water, and this time only about five or six minutes. It looks soaked and let it drip and put it back. Mm-hmm. But what's happened, and even with the other ones, at the very base, whatever leaves, and on the one that was surviving, it had the big leaves. Mm-hmm. At the root part, it's yellow, or, well, this one I kept here to remind me to call you, uh, it's turned brown. Like, in other words, it turns yellow and it falls off by itself, or right. if I touch it, I take it off. Sure. I don't know, is it too wet? Okay, but that's one of the, old, that's the leaves at the very bottom. At the bottom. Okay, yeah. so what, that's perfectly normal. Those are the older leaves. And actually, if oh. you've got as many as um, six or eight or ten leaves, you're doing great. Most people in our world are, you know, temperature, humidity kind of levels, are lucky to have three or four or five leaves on a Phalaenopsis orchid. As soon as you get to kind of five leaves... <laughs> one will die. The lower one will start to turn, like you said, start to turn yellow, turn brown, fall off. Meanwhile, a new green one is coming from the top center. So that's all very normal. Older leaves drop, newer leaves grow. What you're aiming for, of course, is flowers. And it it sounds like you're doing a great job in terms of getting leaves, but not so successful. May I interrupt? Uh Uh-huh. The the new leaves are not coming from the top. They're They're growing from the bottom. Right. Um, there, when the new leaves, like I've got real little ones, and this particular orchid had at least four uh, big leaves, mm-hmm. I would say. Okay. But the leaves are not big. coming from the top. They're all from the bottom, and I've got a couple of small ones that are like about two inches long. Okay, so you may want to, to be really clear on this. Send me a photograph just so I can see. Orchids, I don't have access oh, okay. to a computer. I can't do that, unfortunately. All right. well, well, orchids do propagate themselves by sending little baby orchids off of the mother plant, which tend to be little rosettes of tiny little green leaves. So there might be a little bit of that going on. But the bottom line is it, the plant sounds happy fine. Green is good. Uh, your watering is very much sounds reasonable. I, When you said you've tried that sort of dunking in water, like I suggested, when you do that dunking into room temperature water, put some orchid fertilizer into that water. I've done that. Okay, good. And then don't leave it in the water for as long as 10 minutes. Just okay. leave, or just hold it under the, the plant, the pot, the, yes. the whole thing, leaves and everything, under the water until the air bubbles stop. Too. And the leaves as well? Yep. Put the oh, whole I haven't thing. done that. Yep. Put the whole plant oh, okay. underwater. Uh, once the air bubbles stop to... Mm-hmm. Uh, Right, you know, floating to the surface of the water, you're thoroughly saturated. Pull that pot out of the water, st- let it sit in the sink to drain, right? Because it will drain out pretty rapidly, good yes. f- 10 minutes or so. Then back into your window. My, I keep my orchids in an eastern window so they get that m- sort of nice, soft morning light and lots of indirect light, but no hot light. Yeah, and, well, this is a south window, but it doesn't get direct uh, a hot light. Okay. Because a south window could be a... Do you have, like, sheer curtains or something, or...? Well, no, it's on the table, and it's back from the sliding doors, so... No, it's definitely not getting sun. Okay, yeah, they like a... Orchids like the... The Phalaenopsis orchids like a bright, indirect light, so however they get that. that. Yeah, and then, you know, no drafts or anything. I think you'll find that, you know, just consistent... You're certainly alive, sounds happy. Just keep doing what you're doing, and flowers will form soon. Well, they, thank you. They thank do you very form. much, Charlie. <laughs> okay. I, I really appreciate it. But for the squirrels, mm-hmm. I have tried everything. The netting you said to put it mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. Uh, but what about when spring comes and they start growing? Won't that stop? 
because I put chicken wire when they're growing it. Whatever. Yeah. So they will. The plants will grow up through that netting, whether it's chicken wire or plastic oh, really? netting. They the will. The holes are big enough. Well, you have to make sure that you're putting stuff down that the holes are big enough. So you want, oh, okay. you know, a good sort of one inch square grid, so that the plants. Or the other alternative is in the spring, ground is still frozen, but this netting is virtually on the surface yes. before everything starts to grow. Get out there and pull it up. You can physically pull it up and get it out of the way. Yeah, my squirrels are horrible. They mm. eat apples from other people's, uh, grab them from other people's, <laughs> and, and they them. eat them on my property, and they drop them everywhere on the railings. They're terrible. <laughs> you, in Toronto, have inbred squirrels, I'm afraid to say, so you have some really odd behaviors, but oh, yeah. <laughs> look look at the bright side. Those apples are good organic matter, so just throw them in the composter. <laughs> I will do that. I have a compost. I never thought of it. Okay, thank you so much. Thank You're you, welcome. guys. Bye. Thanks for the call, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> we could just, welcome to the squirrel show. I think we could do a whole show with Mary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. Uh, the number's again, 416 360 That just tickled my funny bone. (laughs) Well, you don't Uh, have such crazy squirrels. (laughs) I know. Uh, Still, still, we're still in Toronto. Here is uh, Pamela. Pamela, welcome to the Garden Show. You got any squirrel questions? (laughs) No, not today. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, morning. Charlie. What's going on at your place? Okay, I have what they tell me is a swamp cedar hedge mm-hmm. it's way overgrown and it has grown about seven feet in, into my lawn or over my lawn mm-hmm. uh, I had it cut back halfway from 12 feet to 6 feet mm-hmm. but now uh, my neighbor was very unhappy about it so we left the um, long branches on the neighbor side and the hedge is growing mm-hmm. but it's only 6 feet tall on my side, it's completely bare. They cut all of the branches and filled a whole truck full. <laughs> so now I'm wondering, will this ever come back again, or should I cut them off at ground level? What? When was this uh, pruning done? Uh, this spring. Spring, so uh, like May, June kind of spring? I or, think or, it was uh, actually July. Oh, some more summer. Yeah. So all that was done, and since that was done, your side is still, there's not a speck of green has grown since then? Not a thing, no. Right, so the, that's one of the issues with cedars. Cedars not produce new soft green growth off of old woody stems. Some cedars will, but not really old parts of the cedar, and certainly yews are amazing because yews will produce green growth on old woody stems. It doesn't sound good if you've got, if, you know, if it's really just cut back, all the green was removed and nothing has sprouted, July not being the real optimal time to have done that because it gets very hot and it's also very hard on the plant to lose all of its green. I guess the neighbor's side looks good though, it's all green. Yours is looking um, pretty uh, naked. You may find though, because the plants are alive, they're definitely alive if they're green on the other side, the neighbor's side. You may find that next spring, as the spring begins, plants are waking up, that you will see some growth. What I would try and do this fall is use a rake, 
clear out with a small rake all the dead stuff that's on the ground below the plants. So a nice, not a heavy, not a real sharp, heavy raking, but just open up the soil so that moisture can get down there. Get some good organic matter, whether it's composted manure, it's your own homemade compost, uh, even triple mix. Get a top dressing around those cedars out from the stems. You're not going to touch the stems with the soil, but you're going to go out from the stems, you know, three feet, four feet into your property, good half an inch to an inch deep of fresh organic material over the roots, and then let it be. See what happens in the spring. It may it may pop out all kinds of growth, and then you'll be back in business to it'll grow it'll take a few months but it'll grow and look fine or it might just say forget it I don't like you anymore and not grow on your side whatsoever and at that point the decision will be yeah what do we do we just cut the whole thing down at ground level thanks so much I didn't think about the fertilizer or you know, yeah, mulch. yeah. I'm just going to do that right away. Yeah, just open it up. Give it, you know, give it a little bit of TLC from, because it's probably the soil's very old and there's all kinds of debris that's stopping moisture from getting down and and yeah. nutrient. And that's exactly what's happening. Okay. All Thank right. You there's your so job. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the call, there, uh, Pamela. And good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck. Um, you have a quick announcement, uh, Charlie. Well, you I said you, you mentioned in the last break. You have one. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to share with everybody something that I've I've talked about before. And you know what, you, Dean, might remember because I probably talked about this shortly after you joined the show last November. Mm-hmm. There is a gardener's journal. It's called the uh, Toronto and Golden Horseshoe Gardener's Journal. It's produced here in Toronto. It's a it's a private self-published book and it is believe it or not in its I think it's its 32nd year of publication. Oh no, 31st. Wow, that's impressive. It's yeah, it is and it's a wonderful wonderful book. So it is like I say, even though it's called the Toronto and Golden Horseshoe Gardener's Journal, you say, well that's not going to help me in Collingwood or or you know, you in Collingwood, me in Prince Edward County. But it, it is an excellent source book. It's got wonderful references, wonderful tips. It's designed as a as a journal. And you know how I'm always telling everybody, write stuff down. When you, something works, write it down. When something doesn't work, write it down. So you don't do the, make the same mistakes every year. Uh, and so just a, a, a great source, great um, reference book. It has just been, it's hot off the press now in time for Christmas or um, whatever gift opportunities you have to share with your gardening friends. So um, more useful than any tool in the shed, the 2023 Toronto and Golden Horseshoe Gardeners Journal. So it's available online at gardenjournals.ca. It did win a big um, uh, award this past year, the Silver Garden Com Garden Communications Media Award in 2022. You can buy it at various and sundry garden centers like Sheridan Nurseries, Royal Botanical Gardens, Toronto Botanical Gardens. Uh, and just recently, they've been able to get the book out my way in a store in Picton called Books and Company. So Certainly worth purchasing for yourself or any of your gardening friends. Only twenty four ninety five, and I I really love it. Like I use this book all the time. It will sounds like a dare I say it a nice Christmas gift for exactly, somebody. Exactly. So which is coming. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take our next break, and we will be back with more callers, much more information, and fun here on the Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show. And as is so often the case, now the, you know, the lines have filled up at the tail end of the show. My goodness. Here we go. So let's get to some callers. Uh, we have Barb on the line calling from Aiton, Ontario. Welcome to The Garden Show, Barb. Oh, hi. Good morning. I was just wondering um, about, uh, is it the mandarilla plant? Um, like it has a lot of brown uh, stems on the bottom, but quite a bit of green leaves. Do I cut that back or what do I do for bringing it in? Uh, okay. A uh, couple things. Yes, you're probably going to want to cut. Is it flowering right now? It probably is. It had one flower this oh. year. Oh, so is it something you've had for many years? Or is yes. It, uh-huh. uh, right. So it should be in full bloom right now. Is it possible that it needs to be repotted? Mandevilla are very, very vigorous plants when they're happy and growing well. So if it's in the same pot as when you bought it originally, then consider a bigger pot next spring. I oh, next spring. Yeah, I wouldn't do it now. Okay. But next spring, as you're kind of in the process of taking it outside, pop it into one size bigger pot with some fresh potting soil, and you're going to find it's going to go, you know, poof and grow like crazy and, and bloom like crazy. Uh, bright, bright sun, of course, consistent water. For okay. now, uh-huh. you're going to bring it in before frost. So uh-huh. uh, I would cut it back. Um, I wouldn't, I do a very thorough inspection of it, make sure that it's washed with soap open water, you know, then um, washed then again with straight water to get the soap off before you bring it in. And then, um, yeah, you can cut back as long as you're going into a a sunny location um, in your home. You've kept it before, so you know where to put it to keep it alive Uh uh, over the winter. Uh, but how how uh, how much do I cut it back? Kind of depends how scraggly it looks now. I mean, you could go back by as much as a third, but make sure you do not take every single leaf off in the process. So, okay. Right. If you take every leaf off, you'll you'll kill it. Oh, okay. Yeah, like it's it's really got a lot of brown stems at the bottom. Right. So those are the old ones, and they're not currently showing any green growth, but hopefully they will next spring when you provide it with some a bigger pot, more room, better conditions. For now, uh, just cut it back so that you still have a few green leaves on it. Put it into wherever you keep it in the winter. I assume it's a patio doors or some bright spot in your home. Uh-huh. No drafts, no hot drafts, no cold drafts, and mist it. It likes humidity. Just And just keep it alive for the winter, and then I would sort of start fresh next year. Or, you know, you could also take some cuttings and throw out the mother plant and start with some new plants next year after you get it through the winter. Oh, okay. I'll just take some of those cuttings like what I'm cutting back now. Except what you're cutting back now probably won't root with any very quickly. Um, It's just the time of year. The plant is shutting down. But next spring, a whole bunch of new growth is going to start to pop out on that plant. It it always does. Mm -hmm. Use the little cuttings from that point to make some roots, start fresh plants. That's what I would do. Okay. Okay. All yeah, right. Thanks for the call there, Barb. Okay. Yeah, Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, good luck with that. It's hard to um, keep I, plants alive in the I same to, pot. <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you, uh, Charlie, I'm as guilty as the next one. I Until I started doing the show with you, it never, ever, ever would have occurred to me that it matters what time of year for an indoor plant mm. to be repotted. Because for me, I think, oh, the temperature seems pretty consistent in here. But <laughs> clearly, there is a, a time of year that you don't repot pots even inside. If you can avoid it. It's just that repotting is stressful. 
always, no matter what you're reporting and when you're reporting, there's stress attached. The fall is always a little bit of an extra stressful time for plants because they are shutting down. So you're kind of sending two messages. The one message is, it's, you know, winter's coming, slow down, it's okay, versus, oh, look, a new pot, new soil, time to grow. And the plant is, I have no idea what I should do. Like, my natural inclination is to go have a little little rest, but my my owner has just told me I'm supposed to grow. So it all becomes very confusing. If you can avoid repotting until spring, do so, because that is a a very appropriate time to do it. Okie dokie. Okay, let's go to East York. Uh, Ethel is on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Ethel. Yes, good morning. Uh, Charlie, I have a a squirrel problem. I used to have a squirrel problem, I should say. Now, what I'm doing is I put blood meal Mm -hmm. on top of the uh, bulbs. Mm -hmm. I put my bulbs in a in a bowl and I put blood meals on them and I put them in a in a ground that mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and the leftover blood meal I sprinkle them over the, the mm-hmm. bulbs. I have no problem whatsoever with this for the past twenty years. Wow! And even after a big heavy rain, the, the no, blood meal doesn't. No, because wow. it, it no because the rain won't still it's the bulbs has it yeah. and, I, and I put a put a, a earth on top of mm-hmm. the the bulbs. Good idea. You know what? Somebody told me way up at Barry, <laughs> the old, old White Rose Nursery. Oh, yeah. And then he told me, he says, that's what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I've been doing it for, and no Works. problem whatsoever. Try it. Try it. Yeah, what? well, you're right. There's, this surface blood meal will uh, be affected by the rain, but the bulbs that have been coated in blood meal will not. Exactly. So, and and it's interesting too because blood meal is from the abattoirs. So mm-hmm. it's literally from p- cows and pigs really. Yeah. And of course a squirrel doesn't even know what a cow or a pig is but they know it's bigger than them. So they <laughs> they stay away. So that's that's a good, very good tip. I hope uh, anybody who's listening who had Actually, you know, Mary was asking, um, Pamela was asking about squirrels. Maybe we've got uh, got, a, got a good tip there to share. I, Everybody try I, I that. I hope it's going to work out for the people because I've been doing it for the past 20 years. I have no problem yeah. whatsoever. Okay, great. Good news. Great. Well, have a great day, okay. both of you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ethel. I appreciate that tip, too, the, uh, the blood meal as well. Okay. Yeah. And it's uh, fertilizer, let's quickly go, too, right? Go ahead. Sorry. Blood meal is fertilizer as well. Right? That's, right. Oh, right. Of it's course. It's pure nitrogen, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, let's quickly go to uh, Wilma in Holstein. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Wilma. Good morning, you two. It's so good to hear all these tips, <laughs> and I have squirrels around me, too. And I was anticipating planting some bulbs, but uh, and I will certainly try the blood meal. But, uh-huh. but that is not my issue this morning myself. Mm-hmm. I have sedum. Mm-hmm. And I like the flowers, especially at this time of the year when so much else is gone. Right. But my issue is the whole plant collapses on me um, right from the center, yep. and they look like yep. they're, it looks bare in the middle right. because the branches are all brown Flattened, or yeah. uh, look look like they're dying, but the end of it, which is, mm-hmm. in some cases, a good foot, foot and a half right. from the base of the plant, right. is where the le- green leaves, and sure. the flowers, sometimes yeah. they turn red, and 
a lot of the time there isn't much red to it. Okay, so now is the time. You might not have a 2023 calendar yet, but if you do, or you use a calendar in your phone, flip to June 15th, 2023 in your calendar. Write down in on that day, you are going to go out to your garden with your snippers. You're going to go to where your sedum is growing in the garden, and you're going to cut all of it down to half its height on that day. So on the, that day, June 15th, it'll probably be about, you know, 10, 8, 8 9, 10 inches tall. And you're going to cut it down to half its height on June 15th. What will happen is that come August, September, instead of that plant being two feet tall, you will have lowered it back in June. So now it's only going to end up being quite a bit shorter than what you're looking at. It'll be short enough and dense enough that it will not fall over. And uh, it's the best way to keep your sedum upright and the flowers facing the skies where you can enjoy them and see them and the pollinators can get at them. And it will, uh, you know, allow the crown of the plant to remain covered by the flower stems above. Ultimately, um, Wilma, your clump of sedum may need to be moved and um, dispersed around the garden. Uh, Ultimately, the clumps get pretty big and the center will start to die out. So, you know, with every three, four, five years, we have to dig up our sedum, chop it into smaller clumps, share it with the neighbors or move it around the garden, um, donate to the Hort Society one way or the other, uh, get those clumps shrunken a tiny bit every four to five years. But cutting halfway in June will make all the difference to avoid collapse. Okay, okay, thank Okey-dokey. you. I have one corner of one bed that is nothing but sedum at this <laughs> point. And probably, yes, that's what needs, and that was one area that I was considering for tulip bulbs uh, in, in well, the near future. Sure. But that's maybe another year for... Yeah, I mean, you could dig up some sedum now yeah. uh, and plant tulips. I mean, certainly you're going to have to refresh the soil. So make sure you've got some good quality compost, you know, composted manure, whatever it is. Because once you pull that sedum out, that sedum's been there for many, many years. So you've got to make sure that you're going to bump that so the quality of the soil up for the sedum you're leaving behind, plus for the new bulbs you're going to plant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks okay. for your call, Wilma. We, and uh, we, I'm sorry, Thank I have to you. run. I have to take my last break. Uh, but good luck with your sedum. <laughs> and uh, we will be back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Here on the Garden Show on Zoomer Radio, I'm Dean Holland uh, here with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, Charlie, we haven't had a, uh, a lot of questions about. We haven't had any questions this morning about <laughs> lawns. True, um, but uh, but is this is the season, right? This is the season, as you say, for transplanting and for seeding, for over top dressing, I should say, and for lawn fertilizer. Is that correct? Well, Don, we're not fertilizing quite yet, but definitely okay. uh, top dressing, which is adding a half an inch or thereabouts of a good quality soil 
on the surface of our lawns. We, we use that really for pa- when we've got patches that have dried up for whatever reason or dogs have been peeing. You know, nobody has a perfectly green lawn. If you walk around, you'll always find little dipsy doodles or, or patches that need some, some work. So hard raking with a fan rake, get the dead stuff out. Thatch is one of the enemies of a quality lawn. And of course, thatch is what we call the, the green. They don't, they stops being green. But after we mow our lawn and the clippings drop down onto the surface of the soil, and if those clippings sit there and don't decompose and don't go anywhere, they become thatch. And thatch is is a an impenetrable layer that happens on the soil surface of the lawn. So moisture can't get down, fertilizer can't get down, air can't get down, and the lawn starts to suffer if thatch builds up. So fan rake. Real good raking with a fan rake and then nice top dressing, overseeding, and then pray for rain. I mean, my neighbors are so cute. They, everybody's been top dressing and overseeding in my neighborhood, but everybody's out there watching going, I can't see my grass seed growing and I planted it like a week ago. It's like, you mm-hmm. know what? It should grow within 10 to 14 days, but it'll only do that if we get some rain. And of course, we're kind of dry out my way. So we're all praying for rain for some of that grass seed to come up. Yeah, and when when then do we put down the uh, you know the slow release uh, fertilizer and that when yeah. when does that happen? Well, the fall fertilizer or the winterizer fertilizer. I like to wait till at least end of October for that. So wait wait a few okay. more weeks or even early November. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, uh, we have another caller on the line. We have Julie from Tilbury, and, and Julie is a first time caller. Welcome yeah. to the Garden Show, Julie. Oh, thank you. Hi, good morning. I, I would love to give you, before we get to the question, I have to give you your well-earned garden wings, okay? Oh, I would love that. There you go. There you oh, are. All well, yours. You've earned them. What well, do you got for Charlie? Thank you. I have some rosemary thyme and oregano that I have outside in pots, as well as some basil um, rooting in my windowsill. I'm just wondering if you could suggest a grow light, or will they be fine in a western-facing window um, all winter? Okay, so the thyme and the oregano, you can leave, oh, they're in pots. Do you want they're to leave pot. them in pots? Like, do you want um, to put them in the ground, or you would like them in pots? I have them in pots. On purpose. And you want to bring them in to use them during the winter? Yes. Okay. Uh, Western-facing window, is that window in the kitchen? It is. Might work, because uh, that's a nice bright window, and kitchens tend to be a good spot for herbs to grow because we've got that extra moisture in our kitchens. We're cooking okay. rice and pasta and washing dishes. All that adds humidity. So it does tend to be a, a fairly great spot to have herbs in pots. Uh, I bring in rosemary every year in a pot, but I leave things like thyme and oregano outside in the garden because they, of course, will survive the winter. But if you want to oh, okay. use them in the winter, you'll have to bring them in to be able to use them. Okay, so do you need a grow light for basil and the rosemary, or will they be okay just in the window? Uh, west window, assuming you're getting that, it's an unobstructed west window, you're probably fine, but uh, you'll know. You'll be able to see. I mean, basil will slow down as the days are getting shorter. Uh, don't expect a lot of massive growth on any of these plants because okay. days are getting shorter. If you do want to use it consistently and you do want to see massive growth, then yeah, get a grow light. Because you can trick the plants. They won't know it's October, November if they have a grow light on them. Okay. Any particular type? Just... Well, it's all about LED now, so you want okay. an LED grow light. You can get, there's some great ones out there that might not yet be available until kind of January in the garden centers, but just like a tabletop light, little, almost like a tube, the old fluorescent tube, but now they're LED uh, linear lights. They'll have 
uh, red and blue lights in them particularly, so they end up looking purple on your plants. So okay. Because the, you maximize photosynthesis on either end of the light spectrum. So infrared, ultraviolet is your maximum photosynthesis, as opposed to the old white lights. So yeah, grow light, LED, make sure it is a grow light, and it doesn't have to be too fancy. Okay, perfect. And just leave the thyme and the oregano in the pots for the winter, or they won't survive that? If you can bury the pots okay, outside. Perfect. Otherwise, bring them in. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks, Julie. That was good. Yeah. I just want to mention for people, we have had a couple of callers today where it's sometimes hard to describe things, and uh, you can always send a photo mm-hmm. uh, to Charlie via email. Her email is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. It's true. There thank you, you. Thank you. Appreciate uh, your great support there, my my Batman friend. <laughs> or you, Robin. Sorry, don't want to get confused. Thanks, Robin. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> you are very, very, very welcome. <laughs> and thanks, Batman, Charlie Dobbin. Exactly. <laughs> Carlos, couldn't do any of this without you. And of course, great callers make it all worthwhile. So thanks for the great calls. Keep them coming. We'll see you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.